Hello, wine lovers, and welcome to episode number two of Taste Fens and Terror with STC Wine Girl, the wine podcast that focuses on having fun and taking the guesswork out of picking a wine. My name is Shannon Carlson, owner and operator of Midwest Vino LLC. Each week, we are going to select a wine, learn where it's from, how it is made, how it tastes, and maybe a few wine pairing options to go with it. So let's have some fun, find the wines that we like, and take the guesswork out of picking a wine. Let's go. This week's wine is the Abazia di Novacella Stiftskelleri New Stiftkerner 2020. Now, when I look at this bottle, it is simple elegance. It's got a beautiful design showcasing the winery and the Alps behind it. It's got the coat of arms, where it's from, what it is. So it says Kerner and Abazia di Novicella, Stiftskelleri, New Stift, right on the front of the label. You can tell this bottle is steeped in history. So I can't wait to dive into this bottle. This wine comes from Italy. And Italy is the largest producer of wine in the world. Wine is produced in every region of Italy. According to recent research, the origins of vine growing and winemaking in Italy stretches back thousands of years to the Mycenaeans, even before the Phoenician and Etruscans and Greek settlers who produced wine in Italy before the Romans planted their own vineyards. Today, Italy is divided into 20 wine regions that correspond to the 20 administrative regions of the country and boasts over 2,000 wine grape varieties. Now, the area that we're going to talk about today is Trentino Alto Adige Sudoral. This area is located in the far north of Italy. It borders Austria, and Austria borders to the north and east, while Switzerland borders to the northwest. So this is pretty far north. Prior to World War I, this area was actually part of the Austro-Hungarian princely county of Tyrol. So the history in this area dates back hundreds, even thousands of years. By the end of World War I, it was occupied by Italy and was finally annexed to Italy in 1919. The region was placed back in German hands during the Second World War and finally given back to Italy in 1945 after the war ended. This area has both Italian and German dialects and influence. The Trentino Alto Adige might be considered one region but it's actually considered two different places. Trentino in the south is primarily Italian-speaking, while Alto Adige is located further north towards Austria and is primarily German-speaking. And Alto Adige was once known as South Tyrol. So today you may hear residents refer to it as Suderol, which is why I mentioned at the, at the beginning Trentino Alto Adige Suderol. The Alps virtually surround this area to the north with the River Adige running through the middle of it. It's where Alto Adige gets its name. 
The vineyards have filled these valleys since Roman times. And it's not surprising with the back and forth history to see wines from this area carry both Italian and German designations on their labels. The wine that we're talking about today actually comes from Valle Sarco, and it stretches from Benaro to Balzano. This was an important route to Italy and the Mediterranean Sea from Northern Europe. Historically, this was a political and linguistic meeting point for German and Italian culture. The Upper Alto Val Asarco is the first agricultural zone after the Alps and is predominantly known for apple crops. The Middle Valley includes the city of Bressone. The Lower Valley is full of convents and castles and merchant houses and, and works of art. Just three kilometers or about a mile and a half north of Brussone is the Monastery of Novacella. It's one of the oldest active wineries in the world. In 1142, Bishop Hartman consecrated the monastery church of Novacella. From the very beginning, it was run by the Augustinian canons. When it was founded, Reigenbert von Seben generously endowed Abbasia di Novicella with farms and land, and this included vineyards. Pope Alexander III confirmed in 1177 that the monastery owned vineyards in the vicinity. The monastery itself was impacted in both world wars. During the World War I, the monastery was repeatedly occupied by soldiers. Unfortunately, it took a far more disastrous turn in World War II because it became very damaged, um, badly damaged by bombs and by gunfire. Thanks to the provost and the canons, the monastery is actually back to performing their original task today. And the Augustinian canons believe in coexisting with people and taking care of the community. Now, this is evident by the extensive grounds that this monastery sits on. When you go to this monastery, you're going to find that it includes a museum, a church with frescoes, landscaped gardens, restaurant, a wine bar, cloister for Augustinian canons, a conference center, a school and dormitory for children, and of course, even the vineyards and winery. But what's really fun is this actually also includes a 75,000 volume library. These grounds are pretty extensive. And on these grounds, they do produce both white and red. Now, 70% of the white wine, which is the wine that we are trying today, is produced in this area, comes from the Bersone Valley Basin. It's located on the southern side of the Alps and extends 600 to 900 meters, which equates to about 1,900 to 2,900 feet. The vineyards around the monastery are mainly found in southern and southwestern locations. The climate in this area is a moderate climate, which means that they have short, dry summers and low rainfall. The vines are planted on south-facing, dry-stacked, terraced slopes. 
and they have an altitude for the vineyards of 260 to 900 meters. It's pretty wide range. It equates to about 800 to 2,900 feet. The dry stone terrace is also essential in not only the vineyard, but in stabilizing the slope and reflecting the heat from the sun. The soil in this area is mostly granite schist, which is created from glaciers. The soil may be nutrient poor, but they heat up quickly in the morning, allowing the vines to take advantage of the sun. And the vines in this area do not live much longer than 30 years, and they do tend to produce small yields. The varietal that we're talking about today is actually Kerner. And Kerner is a unique varietal that is a genetic cross made in Germany in 1926. It's a crossing of two varietals, one varietal known as Trollinger, or may also be called uh, Schiava, which is a red varietal, and the other varietal is Riesling. It actually gets its name from a famous poet named Justinus Kerner, who by happenstance is also known for creating drinking songs. This varietal grows on slopes that reach up to 800 to 900 meters in altitude. It buds late, ripening in early October. And this varietal has a good resistance to cold winters because it's able to survive temperatures that reach negative 10 degrees Celsius. Now, while it's most commonly planted in Germany, you can actually find this varietal in other countries. It can be found in Austria, Switzerland, even the island of Hokkaido in Japan, or the United States state of Michigan. And of course, from here in South Tyrol or Alto Adige, where it was introduced in the 1970s and awarded Denominación de Origen Controlada, or DOC status, in 1993. To produce this wine, the winery has been producing wine for over 850 years, and they have a cellar that is completely modern. The Abbey has an enologist named Celestino Lucin, and he was awarded Winemaker of the Year by the Italian food and wine magazine Gambero Rosso. They are not certified organic, but the winery does use organic practices. And the winery believes in sustainable management and has been CO2 neutral since 1992. Due to the terrace slopes, grapes have to be harvested by hand, and everything is vinified and aged six months in stainless steel tanks using indigenous yeast. The goal is to have the fruitiness and aromatics of the wine stand out. Now, the winery only produces about 14,000 cases of this wine annually. And it is designed to be consumed young. So you're not going to want to store this wine long term. So we know where this wine comes from and who makes it. We also know how it's made and the varietal that they used. But how does this wine taste? I don't know about you guys, but I am ready to try this wine. I say we pop the cork and pour us a glass. This wine is pretty aromatic and normally I would run 
white wine's pretty cool, but in this particular case, I want to run this a little bit warmer. It's still going to be chilled. Um, I'm serving my glass around the 10 to 12 degrees Celsius mark, which equates to about 50 to 53 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's still chilly, but it's a little bit warmer because I want to be able to smell and taste the aromatics that are going to come from this wine. Now, when I look at this wine, this wine is, the color of this wine is straw yellow. So it's not a real golden color. It kind of reminds you of just that, of like what a piece of straw would look like. It's got that yellow hue to it, but it's light. If I smell this wine, uh, it is aromatic. I mean, I pick up aromas of honeysuckle, peach, lemon, pear, grapefruit. Now, I do get a little bit of a slate, kind of like a, a stone smell to it, as well as a salinity um, kind of on the back end of that nose. And if I taste this wine, oh man, this wine is crisp. I get candied lemon, peach, honey, green apple, grapefruit, apricot, and pear. I mean, I get a minerality on this. This is a light body wine, but man, it's got just juicy fruit, but it's subtle. And it's also very crisp and dry. You know, when we think about where this wine is produced, it is, you know, you've got those granite schist soils. So you're getting that slate and the minerality from it. And then you're also getting those cooler temperatures and this varietal being able to kind of bud early and be, um, and, and ripen early. And so you get that crispness, but yet you get the complexity to it. You know, this wine originated in Germany. When I think about food that goes with this wine, there's a lot that comes to mind. Um, I think about German style dishes. I think this would go really well with cabbage or chicken, even probably some sausages. But also I think this would go really well with a grilled fish or even sushi. I would love to have this with sushi. This wine being so light in body, but yet such good flavor, this would be perfect in the summertime, sitting on your deck with like some really wonderful summer style pastas. And I could go on and on and on because this wine is just a wonderful wine and when I think about it, it's a wonderful and unique aromatic wine that's just steeped in German history. So to close out today, we talked about the ins and outs of Abbazia di Novacella Stiftskellery Neustiftkörner 2020. We broke down Trentino Alto Adige, 
We learned about Abazia di Novicella, Stavskelleri Nustift. We talked about how this wine was made from the vine to the bottle. And most importantly, we talked about how it looks, tastes, smells, and what, well, what I might eat with it. You know, we've talked about everything for this wine. So you're going to have to let me know if you have had this wine or others from this producer. I would also love to hear your feedback on future wines you would like to know more about. Go to Taste Fins and Terror with STC Wine Girl on Buzzbrout.com. And you can also contact me on my website, MidwestVino.com. I've put the links in the description below. I would encourage everyone to check out the website for this beautiful winery or even check out their Facebook page. Um, their website is cloisternewstift.it and visit them. There is so much history for this winery. I could not cover it all today. So I encourage you, check it out. Um, it's worth the time to get to know them. If you like this episode, make sure to hit the follow and click the notification icon so you don't miss future episodes. Join me next week as we select a new wine, learn where it's from, how it's made, how it tastes, and above all, have fun finding what we like. See you next week, wine lovers. Cheers. Cheers.